Amen. Thanks, uh, thanks, Pastor John. Our uh, our kids can head up to be with our team at Redemption Kids. Um, let's uh, let's give it up for all our kids on their way up. Encourage them as they go learn about Jesus. And um, you know, even in these moments, I just love that we're a church that cares about the the whole the whole the whole of life. Right? Uh, we care about children as much as we care about adults. We care about uh, orphans and, and, and children in need as much as we care about all of these other issues in life. And so we want to be a church that addresses the whole of our humanity and what Jesus has modeled for us in caring uh, for our souls, but for our physical needs as well. Um, and last week in our playlist series, we looked at emotional health. And uh, this week, in this theme of caring for the whole person, we're going to look at our physical health. Come on now. And so I just want you to see, you know, how many of you knew that your pastor could just lift 125 pounds like this, you know, just, just, just with, I mean, effortlessly, you know, effortlessly. Now, this isn't 125. This is actually, this is actually 70. Uh, this is actually 75. Can you see that? See, see that 75 uh, pounds? You know, I mean, that's just, that's just effortless, you know. Yeah, I told you I've been working out. I've been doing my thing, trying to, you know, get in a little bit better shape. And, um, you know, maybe you aren't familiar with the fact that there's this obscure passage in Deuteronomy that speaks of Moses' physical health. It says that Moses died when he was 120 years old, yet his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And so what this says about Moses is that Moses died full of life. I'm not tired. I'm just going to set this down. All right? so just, just so you, just so you, am I breathing? Am I breathing heavy? I'm about to. All right. So that's just being true. Um, Moses died full of life, but his vigor, his strength was unabated. It, it means that, that there was uh, no uh, reduction in the intensity of Moses' physical strength. And I think this is a, a verse that Christians need to become familiar with, just as a narrative of the early parts of the Bible, because Moses provides an example of someone who died young at an old age, but so many Christians, particularly American Christians, feel old at a young age. Moses was full of strength at the end of his life, but how many of us, whether we're 38, 28, 48, 58, 68, we don't have much physical, uh, Henry wanted me to keep climbing, I don't remember, even know how my, old my boy Henry is, uh, he, he's not 108, but uh, he, yeah, he just, no matter what the age, right, no matter what the age, that God wants us to be full of strength, not just spiritual strength, but physical strength. And so today I want to ask the simple question, does God get your strength? Does God get your strength? Now, from the outset, let me just put on the table, I know this is a sensitive topic. We all battle insecurities around our physical appearance and physical health. My assumption is no matter how great of shape you are in physically, we all have room to improve. 
I mean, I can just be transparent here this morning and vulnerable. You know, my father was a basketball coach. I grew up just like I'm trying to teach Titus, you know, with the ball in his hand. You know, I had a ball in my hand. I played all through, uh, you know, elementary school and middle school and high school and a couple of years in college as a college athlete. And so I was always in great physical shape. But the further I went in school, into grad school particularly, the less time I found to uh, work out and care for my body. And then coming to Boston as a church planter, um, you know, basically if, if you're not overworking a little bit and making some sacrifices in other areas, you, you may not, I know this is controversial and, you know, you're like, hey, the team of this, you know, is not good to say, but like, you may not be doing it right, you know, if you're not making some sacrifices, not that God wanted me to sacrifice my physical health, but I can tell you why I wasn't, you know, neglecting my family, why I wasn't neglecting my devotional life, I can tell you I was neglecting my physical life. And so that's why this summer on my sabbatical, one of my goals when the church graciously gave me 11 weeks off was to say, I'm coming back in the best shape of my 30s. And by God's grace, I did. And you say, well, Tanner, you probably didn't set a very high goal for yourself if you're telling us that you weren't in great shape all of your 30s. And that is, that is actually, uh, you know, true. <laughs> but, 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 but the point is that I recognized I needed to get in shape. And even, a, you know, a month after my sabbatical, I was keeping good rhythms. But I got to tell you, I'm even this morning, I'm even walking in with a limp. How many of you know it's okay to walk into church with a limp? That's right. I mean, I'm walking in with a limp. I got to tell you, uh, five, the, my sabbatical ended mid-August. And almost through the end of September, I was still working out. I was still caring for my body. Guess what the last six, seven weeks have been? Not good. Not good at all. And so I need this sermon as much as anyone. We all have insecurities. We all have struggle when it comes to our physical health. But then number two, this is a sensitive topic because our unhealthy lifestyles are killing us. Did you know that the World Health Organization reported in 2016 that chronic disease, that's a disease lasting three months or more, Chronic disease takes the lives of 88% of Americans. That's not okay. And when you consider that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that just eliminating three risk factors, are you ready for these? Poor diet, inactivity, and smoking would prevent 80% of heart disease and stroke 80% of type 2 diabetes, and 40% of cancer. Just a healthy lifestyle. Just watching what we eat and exercising on a rhythm. We could reverse the trends. We could see people live a lot longer and a lot healthier with their lives. I mean, if, if you don't think this is an issue in our country, just listen to what the military has said about the volunteers signing up for uh, the military. They say this, the, it says this, the U.S. Armed Forces depend on approximately 200,000 citizens to volunteer every year. Unfortunately, the Pentagon reports that 71% of Americans aged 17 to 24 cannot join the military. What's the primary reason? Physical health just not in good enough shape to cut it. 
Major General Michael Frost, he's the commanding general at the Center for Initial Military Training. That means he's the, the person in charge of training all incoming military personnel, taking through, them through boot camp to get in shape. This is what he says. The next existential threat that we have, maybe a generation down the line, is the inability to provide qualified people, volunteers to serve in our military. I mean, let me just kind of translate that, okay? You have, like, what's, what's, what's a threat to take us out militaristically? Russia and our health. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. As one health coach said, we live in an age of comfort gone deadly. So this is why we need to hear a call of Jesus today from Mark chapter 12, when he's going to tell us to give God all of our strength. Give God all of our strength because God has given us his. All right? That's the encouragement today. Give God all of your strength because God gave you all of his. Let me read a very probably familiar passage to many of you, uh, this conversation that Jesus has with people who were trying to trip him up um, and, 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 and incriminate him with his own words. And yet Jesus so wisely answers time and time and time again. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. This is what the word says. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher, you have truly said he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and all the understanding and all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus saw that he answered wisely, said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I want to break down this encouragement in two ways for us today. This idea of loving God with our strength, but doing so because God has loved us with his strength. Okay, so on the one hand, there's an encouragement to take our physical bodies and to love God with what he's given us in our strength, but doing so in a way that's properly motivated by who God is and what he's done for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right? So that's where we're going in these two parts here today. Number one, let's love God by giving him all our physical strength. Love God by giving him all our physical strength. What, is it, what does it mean to love God with your strength? Well, this, this word strength can be translated power or might. It refers to being physically vigorous, 
And we see this in other places in Scripture. Uh, did you know that when Jesus was doing a, a, some really amazing, miraculous, and good works, uh, and he was casting out demons from people who were oppressed by demonic forces, there were these other religious leaders who said, you know what, Jesus is casting out demons by the prince of demons. And so Jesus says, you know what, that's not true. Because the kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And then he goes on to tell this story. And he says um, in Luke chapter 11 verses 21 and 2. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger then attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I am the stronger man. I am coming to plunder Satan's kingdom. But he's talking about a, a physical analogy of a strong man protecting his home and being overcome by a stronger man. And so when Jesus says to love God with all of our strength, he's talking about our physical strength. He's also talking about our uh, personal potential. Think about this. You might want to write that down. Personal potential. We're talking about the strength to get a job done. And 1 Peter 4, verse 11, explains it. Peter's talking about spiritual gifts. And he says that, for those that, that have a speaking gift, you speak as one who is speaking the very oracles of God. But for the one who serves others, who has a serving gift, you serve how? In the, come on now. Come on, this isn't a trick question. In the strength. Yes, thank you. Hey, do we need a sermon on waking up? Like, hey, 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 you know what? Hey, here's an encouragement. Here's an encouragement. We're going to talk about sleep in a little bit. Maybe some of you guys didn't get enough sleep. You're not with me yet, all right? So, hey, I love you. It's okay, but we're talking about strength, right? Serving with the strength God supplies. The, 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 the personal potential that we have to live life as God intends for us to live. And so taking care of our body is about maximizing the potential that God has given us to live our lives before him. I mean, if you just look around at the world, uh, what troubles me and it troubles me about my own life is that, you know, you can look at the, at, at the world. And when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the, like the system or pattern of thinking uh, that, that isn't informed by the Bible. But, but even people who don't understand the Bible get this. I mean, we just look at, you know, CEOs of companies. Usually, not always, but usually CEOs are those who understand what it means to operate at peak performance mentally, emotionally, and physically. And this is why they're getting things done. This is why they can work really hard and, and do great work in their companies and their businesses. They may not even get the spiritual component, but they get the mental and the emotional and the physical components. And so they, they work out. They watch what they put into their body. And I'm just saying, like, if they're doing that, how much more should we? As those who have been made in the image of God and understand that we are to honor God with our bodies. And, and I know what one of the objections can be, and I've heard this, and I think I've probably even said it myself when I've been criticized about what I put in my body. Maybe you've been there. Uh, you, you know, you just say something like this. It's like, you know, well, well God knows how long I'm going to live, right? Like, you've read, you've read the Psalms. Like, he has every one of our days numbered in his book. 
right? Have you, have you seen that in Psalm 130? Just go read Psalm 139. And it says that our days are written in God's book. And so we just kind of toss that out there as if to say, you know what? I can eat whatever I want to eat, drink whatever I want to drink, smoke whatever I want to smoke, do whatever I want to do. Hey, just for the record, Pastor Tanner isn't taking advantage of the new cannabis laws, all right? Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> but but, but have, have you ever been there? Have you ever said that? As if to excuse, like, hey, guess what? That is theologically true. It is theologically true that God has your days numbered in his book. He knows the exact day that you're going to die. You know what else is theologically true? God's sovereignty does not excuse our stupidity. Hey, welcome to Redemption Hill. If you're new, you know, Pastor Tanner just does it like it is sometimes. Hey, I do it hopefully from a heart of love and a heart of humility. I'm in this with you. I've said it before. And so let me give you a simple, just a simple theology of the body. I mean, this body that you woke up with this morning and looked in the mirror and hopefully got clean and put on some decent clothes and came to church in today. This body that, that we have, what's a, what's a theology of our body? Just a few, few thoughts here. Number one, our bodies are gifts from God. God made Adam and Eve in the beginning, not just as floating spiritual souls, but as embodied souls. If you want a little theological term this morning, our anthropology, all right, our, our, our study of man would tell us that human beings are embodied souls. But we know, number two, that our bodies are fallen. And so maybe you are a little tired this morning, and there's no judgment for that. Maybe you're a little under the weather, but you still made it to church. Kudos, good job for that. We, we deal with physical limitations. Our bodies don't always work as we want them to. We get sick and we stay sick sometimes. Why is that? Because we live in a fallen world. We suffer under the effects of sin. But God had a plan to deal with those effects of sin. That's why he sent the eternal son of God, number three, to enter time and space in what? That's right, a body. We call this the incarnation. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, that the eternal son of God entered time and space in the form of a baby. He took on human flesh and lived life as fully God, yet fully man. And so God gave us bodies in the very beginning. It's part of his creative design. Our bodies are fallen, and yet God sends our redeemer in the form of man, as a real man, to accomplish our salvation so that now as we look to him, as we seek to honor Christ in our bodies, whether by life or by death, as Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, or we pray, now our, may our whole bodies, soul, and spirit be sanctified through and through, First Thessalonians 5, or as we remember, 1 Corinthians six thirteen, that the body is made for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now we seek to honor God with our body. So much so, why? Because we know that one day, are you ready for this? This should get you excited. One day, Jesus will cause us to rise again, and we will have perfect physical bodies. 
I mean, God didn't make you just for a body for this kind of part of, you know, your existence, but then you'll go off into heaven forever and you'll live just in a, in a, in a state of a soul, okay? The, the whole uh, understanding of, of, of resurrection is that Jesus was raised bodily and he will also raise us bodily. You will have a body forever. And so just the last thought, and, the, and this is so simple, but everything we do, everything we do, Everything you do in your life, working, studying, hanging out, doing your thing, it happens in your body. And yet, and yet, is it not, is it not just evidence that Satan is alive and real, that, that he kind of deceives us, and, and we are led into this wrong thinking that our bodies just don't matter that much? Where do we get this? Christians, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, but for so long, it's just I had this unhealthy view of the body because I, I, I overemphasized our spirits, you know, our souls. So we're like functional uh, Platonists, like Plato, a school of thought, a philosophy that all material matter and physical matter is bad, and only the spiritual or the soul is good. But Jesus shows up and he refutes that. And so how can we, how can we honor God with our bodies? I want to focus in on three areas of caring for our physical health. To love God with our strength. Three areas that we can really participate in every single day in some way, shape, or form, all right? We do participate in every single day. If we're moving at all in, in some way, shape, or form, okay? That's what we eat how we exercise, and how we sleep. Eat, move, sleep. There's a really good book on the topic. It's called Eat, Move, Sleep. And so number one, our eating habits. Food is fuel for our physical health. What we put into our bodies matters. I want to think about this at two levels. Not only what we eat, but how much we eat. Number one, what we eat. How frequently do you take the nutritional label and just analyze the ingredients and the nutritional value? How often do you do that? This came home to me when in 2012, uh, some friends of ours uh, challenged Marcia and I to go on this diet called Whole30. All right, maybe you've heard of it. What Whole30 is about is eating only whole natural foods and cutting out, eliminating some, uh, some, some uh, different uh, foods that uh, tend to build up inflammation in the body or just weigh you down, make you dependent on. So there's, there's no uh, grains, there's no sugar. That's right, you may not be too fired up about it. There's no dairy, there's no soy, there's no legumes. There's no nothing good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> No processed foods. I mean, actually, I did okay because you can eat meat, you can eat veggies and fruit. I like, you know, so, so it was just kind of a game to me. You know, so I'm just going to see how far I can go. I'm going to see if I can make it to 30 days. I'm going to see if I can survive, you know what I'm saying? But, but, but it was such a helpful, I did make it by the grace of God. I made it. I didn't cheat. 
I, I like to, there's, there's some ingredients that slip in there a couple times. I felt so guilty about it, you know. But, but what, did, what did I learn? There were a few things that I learned. It, it helped me see how much processed food I was eating. Un, unnatural, artificial foods. It, it helped me see that what we put into our bodies can actually make us feel better. Believe it or not, you know, strange as that may seem. It, it helped, uh, helped how I felt. It gave me more energy throughout my days. And, and then, as I, I mentioned, it helped me understand the value of uh, just evaluating uh, nutritional levels. How many of you know that Americans consume 17 teaspoons of sugar a day? That's double the recommended amount for men and triple the amount for women. 17 teaspoons a day. Just look at the labels. You'll see how much added sugar is in things that you think should not have sugar at all. You know, Jesus said that he is the living water, not the living Coke. <laughs> or, or if you're from the South, you know, uh, he's not the living sweet tea. You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about, like, how much, what are you drinking? What are you eating, but not just what we eat, how much we eat. Proverbs 23 verse 2 has some really strong words about this. It advises us to put a knife to our throat if we're given to gluttony. We need to discipline ourselves to eat wise and healthy portions. Listen, if, if you just count your calories and practice some God-given, listen, I said God-given discipline, you could totally change the way that you relate to food. And oh, in the process, we could see the obesity rates fall massively if we just counted calories and practiced a little discipline. And this came home to me again on my sabbatical. I got to tell you, you know, back to that whole, you know, uh, come back in, in the best shape of my 30s. Your boy was working out, all right? I was doing my best. I can't say that I was, like, killing, you know, two-hour workouts every day. But I was just trying to hit a realistic rhythm. I was going down to Planet Fitness, you know, doing my thing, pumping some iron. Come on now. You didn't believe me. Come on, I'll do this right here. Come on. I'm just going to keep going right now. You didn't believe me. Thank you. That's right. And uh, that's five. Come on, six. And then when you, start, when you get in that third set, you know, those veins start popping out. You start breaking that sweat. You feel really good about yourself, you know. And um, so, so uh, I am not tired. Stop saying I'm tired. You're laughing at me like I'm tired. I'm going to do some push-ups. You know? All right. So, <laughs> so listen, listen, listen. Back to the point. So, um, so I, was, I was, you know, working out and doing my best and, 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 you know, we came back from all this travel where we spent some time with some friends who were really good cooks and then, you know, spent some time with Marsha's family and my family. And, you know, when mama's cooking or mother-in-law's cooking, you got to eat what's put before you. So I came back and I weighed the same amount as I did when I started the summer. And so I'm in this, like, crisis of faith, you know. It's like, man, I've been working out, but my church isn't going to believe me. And so what did I do? I went, on a, I went on a game plan. I went on a regimen. And not only did I keep working out, but I started counting calories. And listen, just because I was counting calories, you know, making wise choices, eating vegetables and non-fatty foods and, and lower-calorie meals that actually, by the way, still fill you up and still taste good. 
I dropped like 12 pounds in about four or five weeks. And that's like, that's, thank you for the encouragement, but it's, it's not a super huge deal. I mean, maybe, maybe my body type, maybe I can lose weight a little faster. I probably can on my dad and how he was. But, but the point is, is just watching what we eat. Counting our calories, practicing a little discipline. Um, here are a few things I want to say about this. Um, number one, your worth is found in Christ, not in a number on a scale. Our worth is found in Christ, not how much we weigh. Number two, this is what Gary Thomas says in his book, Every Body Matters, and that's two words, every body matters in case you missed it. Um, sin can lead us, listen, sin can lead us to become overweight, but being overweight is not in and of itself sin. I don't know about you, but I have some really thin friends that eat super unhealthy. And so, so it's not just about how much we, we weigh. It's not a, about, you know, our BMI and all, you know, it's about honoring God with the choices that we make day by day. And then, and then number three, I would just, just real quick, uh, consider the value of fasting. And not, not fasting to just cut the calories, you know, and like get skinny or whatever, but, but, but what will fasting do? Fasting will teach you a different level of discipline whereby now you, you have new resources. Like if I can say no to food for this amount of time, then I might be able to say yes to working out a couple times a week. See that? And so number one, the issue of what we eat. Number two, exercise. Habits of movement. I love what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, um, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value in every way, holding uh, you know, value in the present life and the one to come. And so, so it, Paul is actually saying, like, it's, it's, it's even more important to make sure your soul is in check. You know, so if there was like this false dichotomy of like no Planet Fitness membership versus no prayer and Bible reading, you know, then I'm going to drop the, 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 the membership. But that's not what, that's not what happens, right? I mean, there's, there's, value, there's, there's a whole lot of value here. There's infinite and eternal value here, but there's also eternal value here. It's valuable. Why would Paul say at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I beat my body and make it my slave so that I won't be disqualified from preaching the gospel to other people? What Paul is saying is he disciplined his body in such a way that he inflicted pain on himself so that he could keep running the race that God had given him. That's how serious it was for Paul. We need to take it more serious in our own life. I mean, if we just start working out a few times a week, uh, there, there are uh, all kinds of benefits, you know, all kinds of benefits, you know, even beyond the physical. I mean, we all kind of get embarrassed when we have to walk up a few flights of stairs, you know, or maybe not a few, you know, maybe like 25. Um, and, and, and we're with friends, and then at the top, you know, it's like we're hyperventilating, you know. It's just, you know, it's so... But, but not just for that reason, but also when you work out physically, it helps your emotional and mental state. You feel better. You're sharper mentally. 
You can perform better in your workplace. And let me just say this. Don't just exercise, but limit the amount of time that you're inactive. So many of us, if you're like me, I mean, so much of my time is, is, is sitting in front of a laptop or, or, or hanging out with people and just sitting down over a cup of coffee or, or whatever it might be, but just schedule walks within your day or standing up to work and not living a sedentary life uh, in the workplace, just little things like that. And I know some of you are like, Tanner, man, if you only knew my schedule, if you only know how much I have to do, if you only looked at all my other priorities and what I'm not neglecting, you would understand why I'm neglecting this. Well, let me just give you the story of Nelson Mandela. Most of you know that Nelson Mandela was imprisoned for 27 years. And he was placed in a cell that was not much bigger than a queen-size mattress. But every day, Nelson Mandela would run in place, and then he would get down on his hands, and he would do push-ups, and then he would roll over on his back, and he would do set-up crunches every single day. And maybe, just maybe, because of that disciplined life, every single day, he was in a position to become the president of South Africa at 75, and he lived until the age of 95. He didn't have a lot of space. He didn't have a gym membership. But he had wisdom. And he had a life that he wanted to honor God with. That's the Nelson Mandela way. Put it into practice. Number three, the issue of sleep. We'll cover this quickly. Top performers get eight and a half hours of sleep. The average American gets 6.8 hours. And I get it. You know, we live in Boston. We're hard workers. We're high achievers. And so we think that, like, by staying up later that we'll get more done. But what happens is in our efforts to become more productive, we end up making counterproductive decisions. I mean, how many of you uh, have felt the effects of uh, sleep deprivation, you know? You, you, you make poor decisions. You say things that you don't want to say. You, you, you underperform in pressure situations the next day because you stayed up too late typing that paper or having that conversation or watching that show. So we need to set some disciplines in our life to cut the amount of time we're staying up late at night, set a bedtime and stick to it. God has made us as embodied souls to honor God with the way we're loving him with our physical strength. But then number two, and we'll be quicker on this, okay? Not, not just loving God with our strength, but doing so in such a way that actually honors God to, from the very motivations of why we're doing what we're doing. So number two, the second encouragement, let the goodness of the gospel motivate you to physical health. I can tell you this. If Satan can't keep you from giving God your physical strength, he'll seek to get you to do so with the wrong motivations. I mean, just think about it, and maybe you've been there, you know? Maybe you've been there, but there's so many wrong motivations. Uh, you know, we can work out and eat right as a tool for our vanity. I mean, how many of you have ever done a beach body workout? 
beach body, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, it sells, you know, why? Because we want to look good, and we want to look good in the sight of others. It's not bad to want to look good, but why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? To look good in the sight of others? To increase our image? To impress people? So maybe it's, look how disciplined I am. You know, here I am, I'm eating my salad again. You guys are eating, you know, your, your fried appetite. I'm eating my salad, you know? Look how disciplined. Look how devoted I am. We work out to cover our insecurities to feel better about ourselves. And, what, and what's at the center of all of these wrong motivations is the one word, self. And I just got to tell you, we're going to continue to fight our narcissistic tendencies because that's part of our sinfulness and part of the fall that we have to fight against. That's why did Jesus say, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so we don't do this. We don't pursue good eating habits and sleep habits and movement habits uh, to, 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 for, the, for the sake of self. We do so for the sake of the gospel. Listen to the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. We have them on the screen for you. This is what he said. He said, uh, do, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Just a few clear thoughts here. Number one, our body, if we are in Christ, carries the very presence of God. And so Paul says that this is why you abstain from sexual immorality. In the context, he's talking about sexual immorality. But, but, but he's talking about uh, you know, committing sin in our body, with our bodies. And so the principle holds that, 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 that because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, we, we, we have the Spirit of God indwelling us, then we want to live in a way that is consistent by showing the world, hey, how we're, how we're living, the decisions that we're making, uh, it reflects that God is in me. His power is in me to help me make wise decisions with the way that I honor God with my body. But then number two, he, he, he goes on and he says, uh, do you not know that you were bought with a price? You were not your own. He's referring to the cross of Jesus Christ where Jesus shed his blood on the cross for us to redeem us, to buy us back out of our slavery to sin and death into freedom and life and righteousness in Christ. And so he's saying, look, everything that you do is to be done in light of the fact that Jesus loves you, he died for you, and he has a better plan for your life. I mean, have you considered lately that the, the choices you make around eating, moving, and sleeping, they're directly tied to the cross of Christ? Wow. Directly tied. And this is not just like to, to motivate us like he loved me, and so I'm going to love him back. But it's everything that comes with the gospel is what's going to help us through these challenges, past the barriers. We, we now, we, we make these wise decisions to honor God with our body, not so that we can gain an identity, but, but, but from our identity, right? 
We're sons and daughters of God. God can never love you more than he loves you right now. The Father is fully pleased with you. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. The Holy Spirit is in you, giving you everything you need to now honor God with your life and to glorify God with your body. Number three, and so just, just want to just really press in on this just for a moment. What should be motivating us with what we eat and how we move and what we, what we do in our sleep patterns is the fact that we only have one shot at this thing. We only have one body to live this life. I only have one chance to maximize my potential in the kingdom of God before I die or Jesus comes back. And so I love the words of Gary Thomas when he says this, Christians who don't take their health seriously don't take their mission seriously. This is about kingdom effectiveness. This is about doing all we do to the max of our potential with all our strength, all our strength. God, help me. God, help me today to make better decisions with what I'm putting into my body and what I'm doing with my body. And so just a, just a few encouragements as we wrap up our time this morning. A few encouragements, five to be specific And they're framed around this encouragement. Are you ready? Transformation begins today. All right? Transformation begins today. Somebody, we need to get a little more charismatic in this church. We need to say that together. All right, let's say it together. Transformation begins today. That's not bad, but I can't hear you. Transformation begins today. All right, let's go. Let's get in shape. Let's honor God with our body. How are we going to start? We're going to first start on our knees. With prayer, confessing and requesting. How many of us just need to say, God, you know what? You've given me a body and and I haven't listened to what you've had to say about my body. I haven't even considered that you sent your very son in a body to show me how valuable bodies are. And so, God, I just need you to forgive me for how much sugar I eat every day and how little sleep I get and how little I exercise. And again, this isn't to like, this isn't to guilt anyone. Like, we're not taking a survey on your way out. It's like, how many, you know, calories did you eat last week? How many times did you work out? You know, are you right there with Pastor Tanner, zero in the last six weeks? You know, you guys need to repent together. Um, that, that's not the point. Again, it's all gospel motivated. What he's done for us now motivates what we do for him. And yet, this is the first step. Just to acknowledge, just to, just to confess to God and say, God, help me. I need your power to move me out and to live differently. So number one, pray. Number two, start and start somewhere, right? Start somewhere, but, but, but actually start. Um, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying everyone has to, you know, go apply for, you know, CrossFit or, you know, go down to my guy Ninja's Martial Arts Center, Yes, his name is Ninja, Ninja Gwen. He's an awesome dude. All right. you, you may, that might not be your next step, 
but we start somewhere. Maybe for you, it's just walking 30 minutes a day. Like that's your first step just to get some movement. Maybe it's not even exercise yet. Maybe usually for two weeks, you just need to watch what you eat, count some calories, and then on that third week, add some movement. Start somewhere. Listen, the older I get, just the more hopefully wise, and I don't know if it's maybe impatience too, uh, with myself or with other people, but I just, like, I just get sick and tired of excuses. And so listen, I love you, but if you come to me and say, I don't have the time, you know what I'm going to say to you? Nelson Mandela. <laughs> that's, just where, that's where I'm going now. And that's what I'm preaching to myself. You know, I just, come on now. I just need to get down and do some push-ups before bed. You know what I'm saying? Just come on now. Come on now. Just let it, uh-oh, that hurt. <laughs> hey, next year, 39, I'm going to be doing one. Oh, I better not say that. I'm going to be held accountable to it. Um, start somewhere. Start somewhere. Number three, pursue holistic physical health, right? So it'd be tempting, like, I'm just going to watch what I eat. Don't, I mean, do that, but don't, don't do that. Don't, don't insert the word just. Let's, let's pursue holistic health. What's one habit you could introduce that would change the way you eat? What's one habit that you could introduce that would change the way you move? What's one habit that you could introduce that would change the way you sleep? And then number four, set gospel-motivated goals. We talk a lot about SMART goals at Redemption Hill with our staff and our leaders. Um, these are specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound goals. But we want to do so in a way that's gospel-motivated. So let me just give you a couple of examples. I just cooked these up, uh, you know, this weekend uh, just to, to seek to help you. Um, because my body is a gift from God. I will eliminate excess sugar down to the recommended amount of nine teaspoons a day. See that? Because my body is a gift from God, I will eliminate excess sugar. Uh, number two, because I want to maximize kingdom effectiveness, I will break a sweat with three work workouts every week. You see that? It's not just go do, 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 do something, but it's do, do, do something because of what he did, 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 did you know? I'll make up a rap right now if you need me to, okay? Uh, so, but, hey, anyone heard of Any Minio? That Andy Man Minio is hot. Which song am I thinking of? I ain't done, thank you. I ain't done, right? Like, that's a message. I went and just go like totally ADD on that because there is a message in that is that I'm not done. Listen, like, God's not done with like having that attitude. I'm going somewhere with my life. I'm not done. God's not done with me. You need a YouTube. All right. Then the last one. Then the last one. Then we're going to pray and I'm going to get out of here and go work out. Listen, live in community. Live in community. Do this in community. We, we're not, we talked about this last week. We're not going to judge you for your emotions. We're going to help you with your emotions. Judge you. We're not going to judge you for the, for, 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 for the way you eat. We're going we're gonna to help you. We're going to help with one another. We're going we're gonna to encourage, and we're going to hold each other accountable so that we can move forward together, so that we can honor God with the lives that he's given us. And so what will it look like for you to give God all of your strength? 
What changes can you begin to make so that God gets your best? And not just him, but the people around you that love you and even your own life can change because of the way you're pursuing God with your strength. Let's pray together. Father, we readily confess together that we need your help, we need your grace, we need your strength to pursue loving you with all our strength. And so God, today we take heart in the words of David in Psalm 18, verse 1, when he said to you very simply, I love you, O Lord, my strength. God, would you be our strength in this area? Lord, think about, just think about the, uh, a church fully alive, not just spiritually and emotionally, but, but a church fully alive physically, making a difference in our neighborhoods, making a difference in our city, having more energy to pour our lives into one another and into people who need to know about who you are. And so, God, would you motivate us, Lord, motivate us with the truth of the gospel, Motivate us with with this prayer that we're about to sing, God, that we would build our lives upon you. And that as we build our lives upon you, God, you build us up, you strengthen us to live the lives that you've called us to live. God, we need you now. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.